Amazing. I'm glad y'all figured that out. And they showed this cool little graph where it was like going like this. And it was just expanding outward, outward, and getting really fat. It kind of reminded me of my waistline after Christmas. But then it started coming in like this. And it sounded probably just like that. And then it went back to two people. And this cool little graph. And I was like, huh, I could have told you that without your fancy computer. This is by far the coolest chart in all existence, man. If you've not seen this, you need to go spend like a half a day in the library. This thing is awesome. I know you cannot see that without a microscope. But I want everybody to just kind of take a peek at this. And I'm going to kind of walk you through here in just a second. But I'm telling you, take some time and go into the library. It was so cool when I came here. It's like, uh, you know, I was like, man, I'm at home. When I took my first ministry position as a youth pastor, I'll never forget that I got my office all set up and I went in there and I was going to spend some time in prayer and I shut the door. And when I shut the door, the previous youth pastor, I guess, had left this on the door behind the door. And I saw it and I got up and I went to it. And you talk about a praise moment. I had just this, oh, my soul. My soul jumped with joy and uh, Sarah joy. Ooh, ooh. But anyway, no, it, 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 but I was so excited. I was like seeing this and I'm thinking, dude, the Bible's real. It's true. Here it is kind of stuff. You know, one of those kind of refresh moments. Then I come over here and follow the Lord's call and, and, and you guys affirm that call and I'm, I'm coming into this church and I'm checking it out and I'm walking through and I'm kind of my first days here and, and, and just sort of praying up and down the hallways and I go into the library and what do I see? That same chart. It was just one of those moments before the Lord again that I'm encouraged in the Lord. So what do I have here? What do we have here? So you'll start up here and it says Eve and Adam. Okay? And it gives you the scripture reference on where you'll find this in the Bible. Genesis 2, 22, 3:20, Genesis 2, 7 and 19. Pretty easy, right? Well, then it traces down their family tree, Cain, Abel, and Seth. Now, we know they had more children, but these are the ones that are mentioned in Scripture. And in Scripture, it says, Genesis 4, Genesis 4, 1, 2. Just, and so it gives you the place in Scripture where you can find their children's names. Then it shows Cain's children, Enoch, his children, Irid, his children. And then it shows Abel, it shows Seth, Enos, Canaan. And it traces all the way down through everybody's children, everybody's grandchildren, everybody's great-grandchildren, everybody's great-great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren, all the way down. And you have the documentation. You actually have the account in Scripture. Now this is important, guys, because lineage was everything, even in Jesus' day. Caesar Augustus is the... Declared this decree. Everybody's got to go back to their hometown. You got to take your genealogy papers. You got to go back to your household. To these things we have. We have a very historical account of who's your daddy Adam and Eve, in your mama, right? And then we see again when you come down through here and you find Noah. And then you see Noah's three sons. And then it shows their kids, and their, their kids' kids, and their kids' kids' kids. You get a chance, I'm telling you, check this thing out. It's way awesome. It's way cool. 
And lineage is important. And the reason why Luke and Matthew, again, record this account, because if the people of Israel are going to recognize who the Messiah is, they're going to recognize it through the lineage. They knew He would come through David. And Christ, indeed, is of that lineage. We talked about how it was prophesied in Genesis that He would be born of the seed of a woman, not of a man. And that's why we have the virgin birth. But we also see that in that lineage, He is a descendant who has rightful heir to the throne of David. And also one who would rule over the house of Jacob forever. So what else do we see in this Jesus lineage? So we see 19 Bible prophecies that were fulfilled at the birth of Jesus. We talked a little bit last time about how many uh, passages were fulfilled. By the way, i got to clarify. I know. Keep it simple, stupid. Yes, my math is terrible. Don't trust my math. Just trust my Bible, right? Because I'm not a mathematician. I'm a Bible man. It's not 1 out of 10. It's 1 out of 11. In the drawing, some of you probably forgot that. Anyway, I caught a lot of grief over that. 19 Bible prophecies were fulfilled at the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Seven of these related to his lineage. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Hebrew prophets had prophesied that the Messiah would be from the Shemite branch of humanity, Genesis 9.26. He would come through Abraham, Genesis 12.3. He would come through Abraham's son, Isaac, Genesis 17.21. Through Isaac's son, Jacob, Genesis 28.14. He would come through the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49.8. He would come through the family of Jesse, Isaiah 11, 1. Through the house of David, Jeremiah 23, 5. The timing of his birth was prophesied, Genesis 49, 10. The place of his birth, Micah 5, 2. He was born in the flesh, Isaiah 9, 6. A star will signal his birth, Numbers 24, 17. His virgin birth, Isaiah 7, 14. You see a pattern? His divine name, Isaiah 7.14. Presentation of gifts to him, Psalm 72.10-11. The massacre of children after his birth. Jeremiah 31.15. His escape into Egypt, Hosea 11.1. His residence in Nazareth, Matthew 2.23. His childhood poverty, Isaiah 53.2 and his spirit-filled nature from birth, Isaiah 1, 1-2. And again, these are just some of the things that are written hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus comes on the earth. Predicted, prophesied, foretold, various writers across various continents, various languages, and yet all pointing to the coming Redeemer. Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. And guys, we've got evidence that shows us historically that this is indeed not just some story. It is an accurate account of who Christ is and what Christ came to do. And so what else? What else do we see? We see that Jesus is Lord. Not only do we see His lineage uh, recorded in Scripture, we also know that Jesus is Lord. Notice, if you would, this passage of Scripture. Matthew uh, 1, 23. Actually, let's go back. Yes, Isaiah 7, 14. Thank you. Let's stay there. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, 
A virgin with, will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1.23 says this, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Isaiah 9.6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mark 15.39 So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Jesus is Lord. We know that there's a second coming of Christ. We know that there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He's Lord. We see that through His lineage. We know that through the proclamation. We know that through the verification of His miracles, His life. We know that through His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Jesus is Lord. So, the question, what did Jesus come to earth to do? What's the point? What's this all about? Galatians 4, 4-5, we shared this last week. I want you to think on this, but when the fullness of the time had come. Let me just stop right there. <laughs> this is a sobering reminder for every single one of us. When did Jesus come? Right on time. You know, sometimes we get impatient, don't we? We want things on our schedule. We want things on our time. We want things done our way when we want it. And sometimes if we're not careful, we will become the standard in the measuring gauge. And we need to be very cautious that we don't go down that road. For a couple of thousands of years, people were hoping and crying and pleading and praying. Not always on our time, guys. I need to be able to, at times, just... Trust that God is a sovereign God and He is in full control. And I may not be able to make sense again of my circumstances. I may not know why I'm drowning in, the, in this deep water that I'm in and why I am where I'm at. But again, you can trust that Christ is fully aware. Sometimes the best thing you and I can do is just be still and know that He is God. But when the fullness of the time had come. 400 years of silence. Where you at, God? Where you at? Do you not see what's going on with your people? Do you not see the idolatry? Do you not see the problems? Do you not see the Roman soldiers have taken them? Do you not see the debauchery and the wickedness? Do you not see the religious leaders and all the uh, things that are happening in your name? But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son born of a woman, born under the law. Here's the purpose. To redeem 
those who were under the law. Guys, every one of us sit under the law today. We are under the curse. We are under the wrath of God unless something should change. And you and I are not going to be able to get cleaned up on our own. We're not going to be able to get ourselves out of this mess. We're under the law. We're all guilty. And we know this. Every one of us have lied. Every one of us. Every one of us have stolen. We've taken things that do not belong to us. Dean quoted a passage the other week. Oh, oh, how have we robbed you, God, when you withheld your tithes and offerings? That's not me. Don't get mad at the preacher. Here he goes again. That's the Scriptures. We've lied. We've stolen. We've committed adultery. We're all guilty, guys. We all have broken God's law. Every single one of us. And so we need to stop looking down our noses at each other. We need to stop judging each other by our standard and your standard. And we need to recognize that under the law, every single one of us are guilty. And I don't know about you, but this old country boy is glad he didn't get the wrath that he deserved. I am so thankful that I got grace, that I got mercy. I got that which I did not deserve. And so why do, we, why do we do this to each other as God's people? Why do we not extend what you've been given, what I've been given, grace to you, mercy to you, forgiveness to you, long-suffering to you? We're God's people. How are you going to know God's people? Their love for one another. Not their backbiting, murmuring, talking, criticizing, critiquing, trashing, tearing down one another. Our love for one another. Church, it's time, high time we tell Satan, get thee behind me. Because he's the enemy of your soul. It's not the person on the pew next to you. It's not this preacher up in the pulpit that's your problem. The problem is a real enemy of your soul that loves to bring division. We were praying this morning. I appreciate Carlton uh, bringing prayer time for the men. By the way, men, join us. Join us Sunday mornings. Prayer time's open. Whosoever will, let them come. Good prayer time. Join us. Usually meet about 45 minutes before or yeah, start time. So if we're starting Sunday school at 9.30, we're meeting at 8.45. Today we met at 9.45. Every Sunday. And we're talking about how Think about the world you live in today. It's all intentional to bring division. COVID. It's bring division. Politics. It brings division. Mask or no mask. Brings division. All of these things bring division. Critical race theory brings division. BLM brings division. All of these things now are finding their way into the church. It's nothing new. This has been the tactic since day one. A house divided cannot stand. It's the same tactic. So when you start to get these whispers, when you start to get these fiery darts that want to pitch you against whoever, whatever, wherever, you need to recognize it for what it is and bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. 
This is why the Imago Dei is so important. The image of God. We're creating the image of God. And so therefore there's worth and there's value. And that's worth fighting for. And that's worth redeeming. At least Christ thought so. And while we were still sinners, while you and I were still wicked, while you and I were still in the muck and miry clay, God sent forth His Son into this world to seek you out and to save you. And He demonstrated that love on the cross. While we're still sinners, He died for us. He died for us. Some of us would rather kill somebody than to die for them. <laughs> I could just kill it. Anyway. Murder's a sin. But yet we do that often in our hearts, don't we? Again, we're under the law. We're guilty sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is why Christ came, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. <laughs> We've been adopted as children of God. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not in that same lineage that I used to. I'm not in the, in the Adamic line, dead in my trespasses and sin. If you're in the family of God this morning, you've been quickened, you've been made alive, you've been set apart unto God. You're a child of God because He promises to as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. Guys, we got a lot to celebrate this Christmas. And Christmas for us is every day. Because there's a new birth that's sprung up in our hearts. At least that's what should be happening. There should be, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. You know what those old things are? Those divisive natures. Those things that pit us against each other. Those things that are unloving. Those things that keep a record of wrongdoing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things... Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new, a renewing. How am I going to renew? It's through the washing of the Word. It's through the renewing of my mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us this, guys. That's why Paul begs us in that passage. He says, I beg you, brothers and sisters, therefore present your bodies a living sacrifice. You're going to have to die to self. I realize. Sister better than you doesn't make it easy on you. But you've got to die to self you got to love her like Christ loved you. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't looking for Christ. I was having a lot of fun in my sin. And I was having fun mocking Him and making fun of Him and scoffing and trying to get others to follow me. And yet God patiently and graciously continued to show me love and show me grace. Lord, forgive us. His desire is that we would become children of God. And so when you and I by faith receive Christ, that transforming grace that sets up in our hearts and our lives should change how we think. It should change how we live. None of us have arrived. We're all on a different leg of the journey. We never know in a given circumstance what God is doing. That's why it's His time, not my time. We continue to press forward. So, our third point is Jesus, our Redeemer. Jesus, our Redeemer. 
Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel. God is with us. Again, Jesus is Jehovah saves. So we see here God's provision. First point, Jesus, uh, or third point, Jesus, our Redeemer. First point, sub-point, God's provision. Sin is humanity's biggest problem, and Jesus came to solve that problem. Guys, this, this problem doesn't go away when we receive Christ. You realize that, right? It doesn't go away. We still battle in the flesh. God's provision is Christ, and yes, it, it not only gives us victory and that justification when He declares us not guilty before a holy God, before the Father, we're declared not guilty. And so we're, we're no longer under that penalty of sin. But we forget as Christians in the sanctification that not only are we removed from the penalty of sin, He's also given us the ability with the indwelling Holy Spirit in the Word of God to escape those temptations that trip us and the power of sin. And so we can, by God's grace, through God's Spirit, through God's Word, we can overcome that power of sin. There's no temptation that's taken you, but that which is common to man. God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. But with the temptation, He'll make a way to escape. So you'll be able to bear it. The problem is you and I ain't looking for the escape hatch. We're too busy stewing in the sin. And by God's grace, we need to begin to see those problems and begin to see God's provision. Those problems is sin. And sin still is it is at war against us. Yes, we've been declared not guilty, but that power still pulls at us, and so we need to look for that escape hatch, recognizing that God has given us the provision. And one day, ultimately, praise God, by His grace, we'll be delivered out of this world from the ultimate presence of sin. God's provided that in full. Past, present, and future. And you need to understand that about your salvation. Our salvation is not just sufficient for, I'm going to heaven. It's also sufficient to help you overcome what you're facing today. And so you and I have got to go back to the cross of Calvary. This is why this renewal and repentance and reflection time is so important at the start of service because it's a, it's a heart check for every one of us. Because we need to recognize that it's not a one and done when it comes to repentance. Yes, it's a one and done in justification. You're sealed until the day of redemption. But repentance is a daily response that we must die to self daily. We must take up our cross daily. We must confess, 1 John 1, 9, daily that we might be renewed in the strength of Christ. And so, we not only see God's provision, we also see God's purpose. Junior, if you wouldn't mind, hit that one. Thank you, sir. Notice, if you would, God's purpose. God's purpose. 
Could you go there, please? Jesus' arrival on planet Earth was a declaration of war on Satan. And again, not only was he, he defeated the enemy at the cross, giving us our justification, he's daily defeating the enemy through your life if you'll yield to the Spirit, not the flesh. And again, ultimately one day from the very presence of the enemy of our soul. 1 John 3, 8 says, The one who practices sin is of the devil. Question. If you tuned out, tune back in. Question. Are you practicing sin this morning? Now you know if you are. And can I just encourage you? Today, also, there's someone else who knows that you are. An all-knowing God. His goodness brings repentance. Here's His goodness. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so if you're here today, and you've never surrendered your heart and life, you've never repented and received the justification through the cross of Calvary, you've never been redeemed, you've never been bought out of that slave market of sin, then I invite you today to respond to the message of the glorious light of the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And it's not just a knowing, guys, it's a surrender. Are you willing to trust Christ like you would a parachute at 13,000 feet jumping out of an airplane? Are you willing to surrender your life completely, totally, everything about your being into His hands? Well, I want to get this taken care of first. Well, I want to do this before I get to that point. Yeah, God, you know me. You know my heart. You know me and you got this thing going on. Guys, that's a lie from the enemy. Stop believing it. Don't take my word for it. Read the accounts in Scripture. How many times did Jesus come face to face to someone and they said, well, well, let me go bury the dead first or, or, or well, let me do this. And, and what was his answer? Time and time and time and time again. If you're not willing to follow me, you're not, willing, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Again, don't take my word for it. Go look at the accounts. Christ is calling us to follow Him. And that's a daily, that's a daily surrender. And so I've got to be willing to set aside that practicing of sin. I didn't say we're not going to sin, but there's a difference between stumbling and swimming in it. And some of us have got to get out of the pool of sin. Christ is throwing you the lifeline. Take it. If you're drowning in that sin today, and again, I don't know what your sin is. It could be a sin of unforgiveness. It could be a sin of bitterness. It could be a sin of, 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 of debauchery or immorality or, or whatever. I don't know what your besetting sin is, but God does, and He's putting His finger on it right now because you know and He knows, and the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts to that place, and it reminds you, and it reminds me. And I know, apart from the grace of God, I can do nothing. And so God, again, I surrender. Lord, I lay my life upon your altar. 
And as Paul begs, I beg, present your body a living sacrifice. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. There again, I love Scripture. It doesn't keep us guessing. It tells us. Again, what was Jesus' purpose? It says it right here. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. Guys, that's awesome. He wants to hand grenade your life. Blow it up in here. He wants to destroy those strongholds that are gripping you, that are, that are choking you. Will you let Christ do that? That's that sanctification side. Yeah, He wants to justify you, not guilty. But He also wants to take care of those other areas. Again, Hebrews reminds us, lay aside those sins that easily trip you up so that you can run the race and run it well. You guys remember those, and I've used this illustration before, but I remember in the 80s, all right, those weights that went around your ankles. <laughs> Y'all remember they're about this big, and there was like little compartments of like heavy weight all the way, and you'd strap those things on, and they were about yay big at the bottom of your feet, and there were weights, you know, and you'd, and you'd go running with those heavy things on your legs. That's why I got knee problems. I'm thinking that's got to be it. No wonder we're, we can't move, guys. We've got the weights of sin that are holding us back. And we've got to cast those things off. We've got to lay them aside. All right, let's move forward. Third point. So we know that Jesus is our Redeemer. We see it through God's provision. We see it through God's purpose. But we also need to be reminded today of God's passion. Christ coming to earth was an expression of God's love. How do we know that God loves sinner? Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4 says this, By this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. He's our substitute, guys. He's our Redeemer. He alone is worthy. You and I, under the penalty of the law, unable to keep the law, have offended the law, which James says to offend the law in one point is to be guilty of breaking all the law. That's why we can't be self-righteous. Your righteousness, my righteousness, is fully and wholly dependent upon Christ Jesus. And so we're guilty under that law. But God has delivered us from the guilt of the law because Christ kept the law. He fulfilled the law in every point. He's the only one. He's the only one who has not transgressed the law. That's why His death upon the cross is able to be a substitution for you and I. Payment in full. 
question this morning. Have you, by faith, received the greatest gift ever given to man? Can you honestly sit here today and know in your heart of hearts that you have received Jesus Christ as your Redeemer, as your Lord, as your Savior? Jesus is not only the baby boy in a manger. He's the God-man. He came to set us free. He came to rescue you. Not just from the wrath of the Father that will come and is coming upon this earth one day. It's storing up and it's storing up. And don't let His long-suffering be confused as slackness, as some would count slackness. No, that storing up is simply the long-suffering and the grace of God because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But there's coming a day, no more. And when that wrath falls, it'll be as if in the day of Noah, when that door shut and the rain began to pour and the torrential downpour began to hit this earth and then volcanoes and earthquakes and upheavals of the land and people screaming and begging and banging, open up, please, let us in, let us in, let us in, we believe. It's too late. It's too late. Why bank eternity on that? Ah, no, many read the Left Behind series. Good for you. But you are willing to bank your eternity because here's what I know: Scripture teaches us. Yes, there will be a there will be a, a, a multitude saved in the great tribulation. Great multitude saved. But I also know there's some evangelists going out into the world telling them the gospel. And there'll be many parts of the world that haven't heard the gospel. But I see throughout Scripture oftentimes where God's people were and the people around them who had exposure to that are often the ones that are the recipients of that crushing blow that comes in judgment. Now again, don't confuse what I'm saying. Those in the ark are safe. Those outside the ark are not safe. Christ Jesus is our ark. And if you're in Him today, you're safe from the wrath to come upon this world. But just as no man could open that door, when God closed it, only God could open it. And so I'll let God be God. But I warn us all here today, that the gospel is being extended. And in this moment, it shouldn't be rejected. And so if you've never by faith received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I beg you and I plead you, today is the day of salvation. Surrender your heart and life today. He will meet you where you are. He will deliver you. He will rescue you. He will redeem you. Jesus is the Savior of the world. But the question you need to answer is, Jesus, your Redeemer, today. Every year at Christmas, Christmas Eve, 
Um, many of you know, I, I like to play a little reindeer game on, on social media. And I uh, didn't realize, I appreciate Zach giving me some insight. I had done something this year I'd never done. I t- attached a little uh, uh, link to my post, and I guess that messed up the algorithms and wasn't seen by many. Um, but it's that poem that was the night before Christmas. And I like to have a little fun, and everybody kind of create, get some creative lines, and it's usually lighthearted, and, and, and we laugh, and it's a, it's a lot of fun seeing who's going to come up with a hilarious line. And, and many of you have participated in the past, and thank you. It's just, again, one of those reindeer games we like to play, and, and it's kind of turned into to a tradition. But I came across this poem, and I'm preparing for this message. And it's called, "'Twas the Night Before Jesus Came." And there's nothing funny about this one. In fact, it's very sobering. If you would listen to this account of "'Twas the Night Before Jesus Came." "'Twas the night before Jesus Christ came, and all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus Christ would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once even kneeling or bowing ahead. Mom in a rocker with baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment, this must be the day. The light of His face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning, just like He said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw Him in spite of myself. The peoples whose name had been written with love, He gathered to take to His Father above. With these who were ready, He arose without a sound, while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees. But it was too late. I had waited too long. And this sealed my fate. I stood and I cried. And they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I had been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life, and when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. In the book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said, It's not here. My head hung in shame. Let's pray. Father, I pray there's a soul here today drowning in sin. Please, 
Let them by faith receive your life. May they respond to the good news. Jesus loves you right where you are and He wants to save you. Turn to Him today. By faith, surrender your heart and your life. He loves you. He demonstrated His love for you. And He extends to you grace and forgiveness. That's the purpose of Christ's coming. The greatest gift you could ever receive is to receive Him. You say, well, preacher, I don't know what to do. What you do is you, you confess, you turn to Him, you recognize that He is your all-sufficient, that there's no other way except for Him. And by faith, you cry out to Him, Lord, save me. I don't want to die in my sin. I don't want to be separated from you for all eternity. I realize I've, I've offended you. I've transgressed your law. I've, I've not loved as I should. I've not loved my neighbor or you as I should. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. And I realize that doing better is not going to get me there. Going to church is not going to get me there. These things are self-righteous works. And I can't do anything to, to make it right with you. I can do is bring my sin to you and by faith receive your righteousness that you said you would offer to whosoever will let them come I'm coming today you said if the father draws that you would not turn us away I, I sense today that the father's drawing me to a place of surrender and so I want to surrender my life to you and you promised you wouldn't turn me away if that's you today I want you to just in your heart of hearts, call out to the Lord to save your soul today. Come to Him. He won't cast you out. He won't. He can't. He promised He wouldn't. If He's drawing you today, hear His voice. Do not harden your heart. He said His Spirit will not always strive with man. Don't wait till it's too late. We don't know when that time is. But it could be today. And so right where you're at today, if you've Never done this. I, I, I beg you, I plead with you today. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And to as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. And if you've done that, or you're doing that in this moment, I want to encourage you with the, with the Word of God. do business with God what you need to do today but I want you to hear the voice of the Lord in his word and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son he who has the son has life he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Father, thank you for the promises. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into this world. 
we set aside that time each year. I pray as believers we're reminded it's a daily thing, sometimes minute by minute, to celebrate the coming of Christ to redeem us. Jesus, our Redeemer, Jehovah is salvation. And so, Lord, help us to live different, walk different, talk different, love different because of your love. And we'll give you the praise, Lord, thanking you for the gift of Christ. To him be all the glory and all the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, and all of God's people said, Today, uh, we also want to observe the Lord's table. And so, uh, again, I remind each of us that when we come to this time, it's the time is to be taken very serious. And so we need to reflect where we are today uh, in our life. We need to think about if there's any sins that need to be confessed, that we would take time to cleanse our heart, confess those sins, before we would partake of the Lord's table. And uh, would ask that we not do so in an unworthy manner. So in this moment, in just a bit, we're going to, again, have some meditation prayer. And I would ask that you would ready your heart as we look to the Lord's table. I'm going to invite the deacons, if they would, to come at this time. Also, as they make their way forward, uh, we are going to do uh, what we were doing during COVID time. And we're going to have the deacons come to your row. And we're going to ask that you go on the outside of your row, come by the table, pick up your own element, go back on the inside of your row. Let me explain that.